Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today, we are going to be talking about the topic of happiness. Happiness is something that a lot of people want in their lives, obviously. And I think throughout time has been something that people have strived for and that they've wanted to achieve. If you ask a lot of people what they think the purpose of life is, they'll tell you that it's to be happy, to experience joy, to experience positive emotions, to feel good and to be happy and to achieve a state, a a hopefully sustainable state of happiness. And with that, um, you know, obviously, a lot of people aren't happy. A lot of people are unhappy. A lot of people experience a vast array of negative emotions. Some people even become depressed or have chronic mental health issues. And so today we want to dissect this topic of happiness. How can we be more happy in our lives? How can we experience more positive and elevated states? And also maybe some of the pitfalls in, in the mindset even of trying to achieve or be happy. There are some pitfalls there. There are some potential downsides of even thinking in that way that we want to kind of dive into. And so while we are, we are by no means saying that um, you shouldn't try to be happy, it's also important to note that um, in life, there are going to be many different emotions you experience in many different states. And it's important to be mindful and appreciative of the very dynamic and nuanced aspects that come with this human experience um, and to not cling to certain emotions in certain states. But nonetheless, it it can feel good to be happy. And and from this place of happiness, you can actually have a more positive impact on others, on the world, et cetera. And so let's dive into it. Mike, what has your uh, journey been when it comes to happiness? What are your thoughts on this topic? Um, Would love to hear from you. It's been rough because, well, in, in a good way, because throughout my life, I've experienced a lot of depression, but I've also experienced a lot of happiness. There's been a lot of highs and lows. And that's a large part of that has been to the notion that I have to be happy, that if I'm not happy, then there must be something wrong with me. Uh, And obviously, that's just a completely twisted way of thinking, because at the end of the day, we are humans, we're going to experience all different arrays of emotions, and it is impossible to not. And when you repress those negative emotions, especially you are quite literally destroying the amount of happiness that you can experience over um, a long period of time. And my inability to express my emotions, in my opinion, has been a huge um, catalyst, or I guess lack of catalyst in allowing me to really be free and expressing my authentic self. So I'm going to start off by defining what happiness is. And it is an emotional state characterized by feelings of joy, satisfaction, contentment, and fulfillment. While happiness has many different definitions, it is often described as involving positive emotions and life satisfaction. So I would say happiness is kind of a more broad term that encompasses the feelings of love, joy, and gratitude. And these are feelings that obviously we would like to experience more often than not because, of course, they feel good. You know, when when I feel love, joy, and gratitude personally... I'm able to breathe a lot better. You know, my chest is not constricted. I feel kind of like light in my feet. You know, I'm very, I'm very familiar to what is happening in my body when I do feel happy. And this is actually another 
type of like trick that one can use to enter a state of happiness. Because if you're very aware when you are happy and when you are feeling great as a human being, then it's a lot easier to kind of like tap into that state. Because when you say, oh, when, when my chest feels free, that's when I feel happy. Or when I feel like, you know, I'm just radiating, like there's just like some energy and I can't really describe it. It's just radiating out of all of my limbs. That's when I feel happy. Um, and at least in my own subjective experience, I know what it feels like. And if I'm doing a sort of gratitude practice or, you know, I recognize that I'm in a state where I am less happy than I would want to be, then usually it just comes down to what am I experiencing in my body. And for me, that comes down to chest tightness. It comes down to rapid heart rate. It comes down to breathing fast. So when I kind of slow down, take deep breaths and, and put my body into a state where I'm breathing slowly and, you know, I'm, my, I, I'm just like aware of my body and my surroundings and I kind of just realize cognitively that there's nothing wrong at all. It kind of puts me back into the state of contentment. So I, I would say that there there are ways to activate your parasympathetic nervous system to kind of calm you down whenever you're in a state of negative emotion. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are certain times when you don't want to necessarily do that, when you actually want to express these things, when you want to feel them, which is why it's like one of those things where, you know, express, like, I, I know we talk about it a lot on this podcast that it's not good to, you know, like if you're angry at someone to just like yell at them at the top of your lungs, you know, or, you know, if you're, if, if you're feeling a certain way, to not act it out, but to instead kind of like sit with it be aware of it and just let it kind of like pass through your body and just like feel it yourself. And I feel like it's kind of like hard to really understand when to express your emotions like fully and when to kind of sit with them and be aware and understand them. I'd say there's, there's different situations for us to implement different ways to deal with our emotions. And that's, that's kind of like, at least in my opinion, the, the part of figuring out life is the part is the is the ability to recognize when you need to express your emotions in more of an external manner or when you need to deal with it internally. I would say more often than not, you would need to deal with it internally. But, you know, I, as I've talked to you about, sometimes when we're on the street and someone's coming at us and they are, you know, being extremely egotistical and they want to fight, you know, that's not the time to just allow your emotions to just sit internally. Sometimes you need to express them externally uh, to deal with the world. So I would say understanding that fine line is a good way to experience more positive emotions than negative emotions. And that is kind of the definition of happiness is more often than not, are you experiencing more positive emotions than negative emotions? And I would say in my life, I've, you know, experienced a lot of positive emotions all at once and a lot of negative emotions all at once. And ever since I've been, you know, working on personal development and, you know, finding my purpose and working on my mission, that gap has started to become more compressed in the sense that I have lessened the amount of negative emotions I've felt in, in, in an extreme manner. But then, you know, the highs that come from like extreme dopamine binges, like, you know, vaping and, and smoking weed and playing video games have, you know, greatly died down as well. So I would say that, you know, I still experience love, joy, and gratitude, but it comes from an internal 
sense rather than from an external sense, which might feel way better because I'll tell you one thing. When I was doing those dopamine binges, holy hell, it feels like heaven on earth when you're doing it. And it's like, it's, it's, and that feeling in and of itself is much stronger than the feeling that when I experienced love, joy, and gratitude now. But I know that that extreme feeling of just dopamine flooding your brain that was, you know, triggered from an external substance is going to then lead to massive pain later. So, now that I know that is the precursor to more pain, I I don't feel necessarily want to have that experience anymore. So it is that kind of like realizing that delayed gratification is kind of like, and mastering that is kind of the secret to happiness has really helped me in my own endeavors in, in figuring out this life and realizing that the pursuit of happiness is kind of, is kind of um, a mirage. So yeah, how have you, you know, in your life uh, figured out what happiness means to you? Yeah, it's interesting that you said um, that the pursuit of happiness is a mirage because there's uh, a quote from Viktor Frankl where he says that happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. It's something that has to happen as a byproduct of the other things that you're doing in your life. And one of the things you mentioned, which I think is is a, a great way of thinking about happiness, is it's that you're experiencing the net effect is that you're experiencing more positive emotions and more more um, pleasurable and positive states versus negative emotions and negative feelings. Um, I think that's a good baseline definition. There's more nuance to it than that, but starting from that space, a lot of people might hear that and say to themselves, "Well, if happiness is simply experiencing more positive emotions than negative ones." I'll just do things that make me feel good in the moment. Like what you just talked about, instant gratification, things that are going to spike your dopamine and give you that rush and make you feel good in the moment, but ultimately has a downside, a negative downside where you're going to crash and you're going to be on this roller coaster of going up and down and up and down and feeling good and feeling bad. And ultimately that's going to dysregulate your nervous system. It's going to dysregulate your uh, neurochemical makeup of your brain. And it's going to have long-term negative effects and is not going to increase your baseline level of happiness. So, you know, feeling better most of the time or having more positive emotions and negative emotions isn't, isn't that's that kind of state of being isn't reached through instant gratification and isn't reached by, you know, doing drugs, drinking alcohol, eating, eating junk food that tastes really good, um, consuming pornography, you know, um, overstimulating yourself with sexual behavior, um, you name it. We have so many Netflix, all this kind of stuff, right? It's very accessible in today's day and age. And so people might turn to those things to try to be happy because it makes them feel good. And they might even say, oh, it makes me happy. Well, does it really? Or is it just making you temporarily feel this kind of pseudo kind of uh, pseudo version of, of happiness that isn't really based on anything real? I think that the true and, and a lot of times a lot of people are seeking that instant gratification because there is some sort of wound or trauma within themselves that is poking at them and making them feel these negative emotions. And so they think that by turning to the ice cream or turning to the alcohol or whatever it might be for them, that it's going to solve the problem at least temporarily. And they're not getting at the root cause of what the issue is. And so for a lot of people, the dissatisfaction and negative emotions that they experience in life, the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the sadness, the anger, the frustration, uh, being worn down by life, a lot of that 
is caused by external circumstances that are impacting them in a negative way. And so, yes, to, to a degree, you could, you, the mystics would say that all of emotions arise from within you and everything that you feel is from within you. And that is true. However, unless you're completely bulletproof in your spiritual path and, you know, are just pure consciousness, your the external environment will affect you. It's going to have an impact on you. Um, and so maybe you're at a point in your life where things in your external environment aren't going in a way that suits your temperament and that is, is, is adding value to your life and making you feel good. And maybe you feel out of alignment. Maybe you feel like you don't have a purpose in life. Maybe you don't have meaning. Maybe uh, a lot of things are just are in disarray. Maybe your finances are in disorder. Maybe your personal relationships have um, a lot of turbulence and conflict. Maybe you have issues with your physical health that, that takes up your bandwidth and, and is nagging at you and causing you not to feel good. Uh, instead of looking for that instant gratification, take small steps every day vigilantly to try to improve those things. And then as over time, it's going to take hard work, dedication, grit. It's not going to be easy. But as you start to work on these things and improve them, all of a sudden, you know, you get start getting things in order. Your base, you're not only are you going to start feeling better in, in specific moments, your baseline level of happiness is going to improve as a result of that. Whereas with the instant gratification, your baseline level doesn't improve. You're just temporarily spiking it. It goes back down to a low baseline. By actually changing things in your life and changing the external circumstances, you can gain momentum. Then you start actually focusing more on the inner work, the internal. You also start practicing different disciplines and rituals. All this stuff starts to snowball. Your baseline level of happiness goes up. There was a study done by psychologists. I don't, I don't know exactly when it was done, but I learned this when I was taking a psychology class in college. They talked about how um, and they talked about how if people have new exciting experiences or they acquire things that they really desire, it causes a short spike in happiness and then they return to baseline. And in that study, they kind of came to this conclusion that humans can't really change their baseline level, level of happiness. Now, I agree with the first part of that study, which talks about how, you know, a new experience, a new um, physical uh, material object that you acquire that makes you feel good in the moment isn't going to increase your baseline level of, happy, level of happiness. But what I think is neglected in that study and in, 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 you know, this very like scientific, technical um, realm, academic realm of psychology is that you actually can increase your baseline level of happiness by doing things that are beneath that surface level of just a new experience, uh, you know, a new um, possession, right? It's, it's doing deeper inner work, changing the circumstances in your life that are actually going to impact you a lot. For a lot of people, that's their physical health, that's their relationships, that's their career and finances, and, and for people who are on a spiritual path, it's, it's their faith, right? These are things that are going to really impact it. And then it's also the inner work, doing the work to heal your trauma, heal your past wounds, um, you know, rewire your neurocircuitry and your physiology to be more uh, aligned with a state of well-being, inner peace, and health. And when you start to do those things, that is when the true happiness that is sustained uh, comes, comes to uh, fruition, it's almost like the way that you were you you were describing like the baseline level of happiness is almost like the baseline level of dopamine in in a certain way which i would say the more motivated you are the happier you are in general so i think a lot of what goes into baseline levels of happiness is very synonymous with baseline levels of dopamine and if you're engaging in activities that are going to spike your dopamine but then obviously uh 
uh, it's, it's then going to have a trough that moves you down into a lower baseline level of dopamine. It's going to make you more depressed. It's going to make you less happy. You're going to feel less motivated. Um, conversely, if you engage in activities, that's going to initially like get your dopamine down into levels that are synonymous with feeling adversity, then you're going to spike them higher up and then it's going to, you know, give you a higher level of baseline of, of dopamine. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I would say if anyone wants to like really understand how dopamine levels work to watch like, you know, the Andrew Huberman podcast or to, you know, research it for yourself in scientific papers as well. This is just kind of my understanding of, of, uh, the dopamine system. So take it with a grain of salt and do your own research. But I do think that, you know, if you're doing constant dopamine binges, that overall you're going to feel less happy in your life. And if you're doing habits and routines that allow yourself, because like, here, here's the thing. I, I, I think that what you're basically saying is that if you build your character and you build your, you know, physical body, your spiritual and mental health into, into basically a, a being that can handle the ups and downs of life, the inevitable ups and downs of life, you know, because you're going, you, you have loved ones, they are going to die. And when they die, you will feel sad. There is no avoiding that unless you're a psychopath. So it's like we, if we develop ourselves into human beings that are resilient, um, then we can get through these things a lot easier and, and we'll have confidence in ourselves for getting through these things because our baseline level of happiness is so high. Our baseline levels of dopamine are so high that we trust ourselves to get through the, the inevitable storms of life. So I think ultimately, in, in my opinion, being happy over a long period of time is a result of being a very resilient and strong individual mentally, spiritually, and physically. But then there's another term that is, you know, just usually sometimes depicted as synonymous with happiness, but it's, I, I think it deserves an, its own definition, which is contentment. And, you know, if, if happiness is of itself more of a, more of a, a, a transient type of feeling, you know, love, joy, and gratitude, they're all transient. You know, you, it's impossible to experience all of that at once, or sorry, all of that, you know, all the time. But contentment is kind of more of like your, your, it's like your average level of happiness over a certain period of time. So I think that's, and it's kind of like a utilitarianism or utilitarian idea where it's like, um, uh, kind of like guiding your life into a sum total of positive experiences over negative experiences. You know, you might be having some negative experiences, you know, like in the last three weeks, let's say, or let's say a family member dies and you, you're going to be having a lot of negative emotions. You, you're may, maybe also you get into a car accident in that same time and you're just like, Oh my God, my life sucks. Right. Or maybe you get into, or maybe you get broken up with, or someone cheats on you, and like a certain relate. But in my opinion, someone cheating on you is usually the largely a result of of the person who you are. But because I've been cheated on, and I and I think largely because of who I was, that kind of led to that. I, I don't think if uh, a strong individual would get cheated on, but hey, you know, um, I I. I, I'm not a therapist, so you know I I, I don't or or a, a social behavior expert. So again, take what I say with a grain of salt, but it's just my opinion. 
Um, and when we ultimately have this, this mindset that we trust ourselves, then we can, we can get through these dark periods of our, of our life when, you know, someone breaks up with us, because let me tell you, I've been through three long-term relationships and it sucks for the first two months. It absolutely sucks because it's like, you know, you're addicted to someone. Obviously it's, it's kind of any type of addiction is unhealthy because, you know, if, if you're healthy, you don't have addictions and you, and if you're addicted to something, then, it, then it's not healthy. So if, if you, if you really experience like, you know, withdrawals from being with a person, then it's probably because you are codependent and I've experienced this many times and in, in multiple relationships. So, but at, at the end of the day, it, it, the idea is that, you know, when you go through these dark periods, when you go, when you have negative experiences, if you go through this adversity with a mindset that I'm going to become stronger as a result of this, I'm going to learn what I can from this and, you know, use it to my benefit later, then of course it's going to be net a net positive experience. Yeah. So regardless, you know, when you go through adversity, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a family death, Overall, in my experience, it has led to me becoming a stronger individual. Like wh whenever you go through these ne negative experiences, you never know what's going to lead to something that you might later view as positive. And I think I've told this story before, and I'm sure whoever's listening to this has probably heard it as well, because you're probably into personal development and spirituality. Um, but it, it's the idea that, you know, um, Oh, this, this guy's son, he, he was riding horses and he broke his leg and everyone's like, Oh my God, like that's, that's absolutely horrible. Let, let's make it even worse. Let's say his leg literally snapped in half. Uh, and, and everyone's like, Oh my God, that's, that's so horrible. I'm so sorry. And he's not going to be able to like do sports for nine months. Oh, but guess what? The military came and you know, they're about to go out to war and anyone within uh, 18 to 26 has to be drafted, but guess what? He doesn't have to because he broke his leg. So it's one of those things where just because you experience that you label as negative doesn't mean that in the next, you know, three months or to a year that you won't view that thing as being positive. Because when, when my relationship ended, my last relationship ended, I thought it was the end of the world. I was just like, what the hell's going on? And now a year later, I view it as literally the most pivotal and important moment in my life. So you really do not know when a negative experience is going to lead to something positive. I personally think the death of my grandma, who I loved very much, even though I felt horrible when it happened, eventually led to me being more curious about, you know, she had Parkinson's disease, to be more curious about the brain. And I think that curiosity developed my education about the brain that led me into certain areas of thinking and and um, understanding of the brain that I would not have had if I hadn't done that and then might have led me in a completely different direction in this life and I might not have even had a spiritual awakening. So it's like one of those things where you never, we, we do not know ourselves and we do not know the future well enough to even know what is good for us. So it's, but here's the thing, if you are an individual who's engaging in delayed gratification and habits and routines that you trust are going to like by going through that process of development are going to make you an extremely resilient individual and you know that you can get through anything 
then I think that's ultimately what defines a happy person is someone that can deal with the inevitable ups and downs of life and can have this greater mindset that looks at the bigger picture and, and kind of like, you know, you understand what your purpose is. You understand where you're going. And just because of a few setbacks, just because, you know, that, you know, life is going to throw some adverse situation your way doesn't mean that it's going to stop you from doing what you want. Doesn't mean that it's going to prevent you from feeling grateful that you're even a conscious being in the first place. Yeah. So, um, increasing your, your baseline level of happiness takes, takes work, it takes discipline. It takes focus. It takes a lot of intent and bandwidth and energy to increase that. So that's really, that's what a lot of people I think don't realize and maybe when, especially when they're younger, um, they associate hard work and discipline with negative emotions and not feeling good and, so they try to avoid that and bypass that and take a shortcut to happiness that ultimately ends up biting them in the ass. But if you put in the work and you put in the discipline, you through that, you end up increasing your baseline level of happiness. And one of the other things you talked about is the importance of adversity. And I totally agree with that. I think that can be just added in there as well as, as a way to increase your baseline level, level of happiness because part of life is is the contrast, is the happiness and sadness, is the you know, the perceived positive and negative, the yin and yang, the light and dark, all of these opposites, all of these contrasts that we experience in life is ultimately how we end up appreciating the things that make us actually feel good because we've experienced the things that have hurt us so much. You know, in my life, a perfect example of that was the chronic severe suicidal depression that I experienced for, you know, I don't know, roughly a decade of my life, right? And so because I went through that darkness and that pain, for such a long time, I'm able to now appreciate not having that. And so just normal day-to-day -day life, I'm so much more grateful for because I know how much worse it could be. And so, and, and through the adversity and the pain and being able to push past that, I now have reference points from my past where I went through difficult challenges. And so I have more confidence. This kind of goes back to our last episode. I have more confidence now that when I go through other challenges in the future, and rest assured, there will be other challenges in everyone's life. It's not like now everything's set and everything's easy breezy from here on out. You're going to undergo more adversities throughout the course of your life. I have reference points from my past that gives me the confidence to face those adversities you know, and, and be able to overcome them because I know that I've gone through shit before. When you don't have reference points from your past of hardship, the first kind of hardships that you have in your life that are really painful are, are arguably the hardest ones to get through. Obviously, there's some exceptions, but typically they're the hardest ones to get through because you don't have reference points of a harder time, right? So it, and once you, you build up those, those challenging and difficult experiences and traumatic experiences from your past, you're now able to face future adversities with greater equanimity and a greater sense of, of trust in yourself because you know that you've gone through shit before. And so that's incredibly important as well. The other thing I also want to talk about is, is this that even if you increase your baseline level of happiness, even if you do all this work, ultimately happiness is a, is a fleeting feeling and emotion. Any positive emotion is going to be more fleeting. And obviously the more you work on yourself, again, you're going to experience those positive emotions more often and it will be more of the norm. Um, but you, you will still, you're going to transition through various states. You know, the human experience is filled with 
a wide array of different states, you know, of grief, of sadness, of happiness, of excitement, of fear, etc. And so it's important to understand that, yeah, you're going to experience things in your life where you feel anxious again, or where you feel scared, or where you, where you feel angry. And instead of trying to wish or hope that you never experience those things again, it's more important to have acceptance for these various states of being and to understand that it's just a natural part of life and that you're going to have your ups and downs. But through doing all of this work on yourself, you'll be able to develop a greater frame and, and greater strength within yourself to be able to overcome that. And then you can even get to a point where you now start viewing those quote unquote negative experiences as actually more a positive thing because you know that they can help you to become a stronger version of yourself and they can help you to appreciate the more positive aspects of life or the more enjoyable aspects of life and if there wasn't any there wasn't any kind of pain or adversity in life you would atrophy you know there's a great quote which is life isn't happening to you it's happening for you all of this stuff that we go through to go through throughout life in the moment, some of these things can seem, you know, overbearing. They can seem just like, there's no way that I can cope with this. There's no way I'm going to be able to get through this. This is, doesn't make sense. And you become nihilistic and you become, you know, maybe even angry at, at the universe or whatever, because it just seems unfair. But, you know, once you push past through those experiences, you, you begin to, you begin to, like I mentioned, appreciate the good things, but it's all part of your, your dharma and your spiritual progression throughout life. All of these things are helping you to progress spiritually. And a big part of that spiritual progression is going to be discomfort and pain. That's just a part of how it works. Um, so that's kind of my take on, on kind of how happiness ties into the spiritual aspects. And so don't cling to the, the positive emotions. Don't become attached. You know, the, the desire and aversion, right? This, is, this goes back to Buddhism is like, you Humans oftentimes desire like the good things and they have an aversion to the things that don't make them feel good. And through that, that desire and aversion, they end up um, kind of ciphering or, or fracturing their internal state of being. And it leads to dissatisfaction and, and more negative emotions. So, you know, the desire and the seeking for happiness and the clinging to happiness, um, ironically, is what's actually going to prevent you from being able to experience it. Yeah, I would say the the idea of kind of just being detached in general because bro like existence is just insane you know we're we're on a floating rock traveling a thousand miles per hour through space um and like space is 92 billion light years wide it, it, just in our observable universe i'm sure james webb's space telescope is going to discover even more crazy things about our universe but it's like yeah, we, we have this society that has really defined what happiness is and that the pursuit of happiness, the American dream is the end all be all. And it's like, no, that is just not the way things like need to work. We, we, we are human beings and we, we were meant to come here to just be alive and to experience this r ridiculous realm of 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 nature that we have been thrust into and it's just amazing in all of its aspects but for some reason we we need to confine ourselves to a specific idea that was indoctrinated into us that that is what's going to make us happy but it's like no it's like the the external world does not tell you what makes you happy you define what makes you happy um so th this you know th this is done through extreme inner work and we we talked talked about what type of 
activities that you can use to kind of like discover yourself, but we're, we're, we're not talking about discovering ourselves or our purpose or whatnot. We're, we're talking about just like happiness in general. So I do want to say that I think contentment is kind of what we're all shooting for, not just like happiness in one moment and then having that go away, but just like, you know, like over the course of a year, did you have more positive experiences than negative experiences? And for the negative ones, did you push through it? Were you, were you self-aware and uh, did you learn from it? So I would say if you're having that mindset throughout a year, you're probably going to feel very content. And I would say to kind of achieve contentment throughout your life, it, it it's, it's probably wise to, to cultivate a strong practice of delayed gratification. So obviously, um, stop binge watching Netflix, stop playing video games. Obviously you, you don't have to completely stop. If you truly enjoy video games, if it's one of those things that you play with your friends and you do it like, you know, an hour every other day, whatever, man, you know, I'm not going to judge you for that. Personally, I, I was addicted to video games and I had to completely stop and I'm never going back. I don't see the reason why I would need to like indulge in video games again. You know, it, it's, you know, engaging in video games is really bad for your dopamine just in general. Um, so, but you know, if that's something that you truly enjoy and you do it as a kind of like a way to be social with your friends, I know, you know, I did use it to reconnect with one of my friends. So it's, it's definitely, you know, it has its pros and cons, but I would say, you know, to engage in activities that are going to raise your baseline dopamine, like for example, eating healthy. I personally believe that eating something in the moment that is, that tastes really good, that has a bunch of sugar, fat, and, and, and empty carbs. Yeah, of course. Oh my God, it tastes great. You know, oh, like I, I, if you know someone's like oh i love going to this one donut shop i'll get a donut once per month just to treat myself you know i personally hold the opinion that i think that's that you don't need to treat yourself if you understand that you just eating that thing is just going to make you feel like shit later so why would you even indulge in it in the first place so for me that's kind of the way i look at these things now it, it's it's been through really forcing myself to do like way more delayed gratification exercises than instant gratification exercises that I've, I've began to cultivate this feeling and also understanding that indulging in like, you know, eating a cake or eating a cookie. Um, and yeah, we, we need to be present, you know, but I can be present without fucking like loading my taste buds with, with sugar and fat and empty carbs, you know? So I, I, I don't need that. Do you still, just to interject, do you still um, use a lot of salt on your oh, food? Oh, I do. So I, I'm no by no means a delayed gratification master. Um, so yeah, I, I love salt. And that's like the one thing that's a little bit my of my weakness right now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. But regardless... I would say, you know, I still feel amazing. And I know that's largely because I literally only eat healthy food besides, you know, putting putting salt on my food. But what I, what I do to kind of combat that is I do not, I buy very low sodium products. I buy mainly very reduced sodium products. And I don't put any sodium when I'm cooking my food. I only put it after I've cooked my food. So I'm actually not getting as much sodium as, you know, one person might if they just aren't being careful about what they're buying, maybe that's justification for my love of salt. But 
Um, regardless, you know, I'm, I'm trying to cut back even on that. But I would say, you know, eating healthy and making sure that you feel as good as you can is, is a great way to not only practice delayed gratification, but feeling more happy. Exercise, obviously, is another one of those things. You're pushing yourself, you're putting yourself through pain so you feel pleasure later. Um, you're getting, you know, you, you're feeling more confident about your body image. The, I mean, obviously, you shouldn't really care about your body image. It's just a physical appearance, but... Regardless, it's nice to know that, you know, you, you, you look nice. Um, and then there's meditation, which, you know, you're kind of sitting with your thoughts and, you know, not necessarily thoughts that are good. You know, I, I meditate for 30 to 40 minutes every day. And let me tell you like that first 20 to 30 minutes is just thoughts that I can't necessarily control, but manifest. And I kind of just like, I sit in a very self-reflective state and I try to focus on my breath. And I, I think it's very therapeutic in, in a certain sense, and it helps me understand what my thoughts are about a certain situation. I also journal to understand that as well. But um, I, I wouldn't say that's really delayed gratification. It's more of just a, a, a habit for understanding yourself. But then also just like engaging in activities that, are, that you know are going to help your future self, like doing the dishes or just like any type of mundane task that you know needs to get done or you like doing your taxes or just like anything like that and and just understanding that you know you you not having that bogging you down is going to free up your creativity and your mental resources to be doing other things so i would say that you know and people are like oh but you need a balance you need to have a balance of delayed and instant gratification and i i do agree with that i think you need to reward yourself in in a certain sense because if you're just doing things and you're not rewarding yourself then you know it, it's hard to motivate yourself but you know I'm, I'm doing all these things and i i don't i don't like you know necessarily reward my i'll reward myself maybe you know i, I do this thing where in the morning, I will, you know, uh, the first thing I'll do, I'll journal and then I will exercise and I'll take a cold shower and then I'll do some like music production um, exercises that aren't necessarily fun, but make me a better music producer. And then I'll reward myself by checking social media and drinking a cup of coffee. So th th that's personally what I reward myself with. Other people might reward themselves with a cookie or with playing video games or with watching an episode of Netflix. I, you know, wh whatever, whatever you determine is good for your own growth and development, you know, that's fine. For me, you know, just checking coffee and checking social media, because, you know, for what I do on TikTok, and what I'm going to have to do with my music production endeavors, I have to do those things. So if you if you do things that you like, you know, absolutely do have to do like, you know, occasionally check your phone, I don't because I don't check my phone until 11am every single day. Um, and you use that as a reward. It's kind of like making yourself more efficient. I, I personally like enjoy figuring out how to make my time more efficient every single day. That just like makes me feel better about my life. Um, and you know, maybe it's a coping mechanism. Uh, it, it definitely could be, but regardless, I would say it's probably smart if you want to become a more happy individual and, and a more content individual to, have more delayed gratification exercises way more than instant gratification especially since we live in a society that that almost places an emphasis on this degenerate proclivity to to engage in in excessive and unchecked consumerism so 
And I do think that, you know, this is the last thing I'm going to say, because I know I've been going on a fat rant, is that when you practice delayed gratification for a long enough time, you know, after I had my spiritual awakening and I was engaging in very many instant gratification exercises, and then I basically was like, this cannot go on anymore. What am I doing with my life? I'm going to become the best version of myself. And I started doing delayed gratification activities. After a certain period of time, and it might take six to nine months, at least in my in my experience, you will start to prefer delayed gratification exercises over instant gratification. And that's when you know that you're really going into a good direction, at least in my opinion, because I've been feeling a lot happier on average. I still feel negative emotions. That's fine, but I'm still very aware of them. And and I feel good about doing, you know, about everything that I'm doing every single day. I don't mind sharing my exact daily routine with anyone because I'm confident that that I know I'm doing the right thing. Before I'd be literally scared to share with people what I was doing with my day. It's one of those, it's, it's that idea that if you look up to somebody, like, would you be scared to like have them basically have a camera in every room in your house and watch what you're doing? Like, it, it, and if you are, then you're not, you're not living life properly. It, you should be living a life where you are proud of everything that you do every single day. And if, if you do that for a long enough period of time, you will feel content. And I truly believe that. Yeah. So for, um, instant gratification, I mean, even parents, a lot of parents will do this with their kids. Like they'll tell them, you know, you'll get your, you'll get your allowance after you complete your chores or you'll get to eat dessert or play 30 minutes of video games after you do your homework, you know? So like parents are literally doing this, you know, conscious and, um, you know, proactive parents are, are doing this with their children. Like, why would you not, you know, why would they not impose those same types of kind of standards and mindset onto themselves, right? It's interesting how, you know, we'll do, we'll do these in certain types of contexts or um, situations, but, you know, when it comes to the self-application of these things, um, it, it all goes out the windows. I mean, teachers do this with students at school, um, you know, uh, companies do this with employees, right? They have incentives for them to, to do certain things in order to get a certain kind of reward. Um, but if you can apply that to yourself in your own life, that is where uh, the, the true pow power of this practice lies because it's not being enforced upon you externally. You're now doing it internally. You're now setting that standard for yourself. And through that, you end up becoming just a more conscious, more self-empowered version of yourself. And you will notice the results flow in to many other aspects of your life. And so Mike went over a lot of the like tactical, tangible, physical things you can do like exercise and eating healthy and there's a, meditating. There's a ton of things that we can do. We talk about it all the time. I want to also touch upon um, some of more of the uh, mental aspects or kind of like uh, community spaces that exist, um, philosophies that exist that can help you to start rewiring, not just, um, you know, the, the habits and routines, but also just your mindset and, and internalizing these different mindsets that have helped me because so much of it is, is mental. I would say some people would say it's half of it is mental. I would say arguably the, the vast majority of it is mental and that all of these other habits and tactics, yes, they matter a lot, but if, if it's not accompanied by a very diligent and aware and wise 
mental framework, it's going to cause issues where you're not able to, to really internalize these more positive states. And so one of them is Buddhism. So I encourage people to look into Buddhism and not just Buddhism, but, but all kind of different ver varieties of Eastern spirituality. And honestly, even more traditional religions, I've come to um, appreciate certain aspects of them. I used to be very like anti-religion and I'm not religious now. I just consider myself to be spiritual, but not religious. I know that that's kind of a new age thing to say and there's stigma around that, but that's just my personal journey is I believe that my spirituality is constantly evolving and growing as I evolve and grow because my spirituality is my life and my life is in flux. And so I don't want to constrain myself to the, um, the dogma or the rules and prescriptions of a very specific religion. Because if I, when, well, not if, but when I change in life, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to be uh, held back by a certain religious um, community and, and their specific beliefs. But I believe it is important to take away certain truths and certain values from ver a variety of religions, because I believe that pretty much all religions hold like a lot of good knowledge and wisdom about how to live a meaningful life and how to be a good person and, and how to go about life in a way that aids in your spiritual progression. I just also think that a lot of religions have other aspects that are outdated or that you know, just don't align with, with my personal beliefs. And so that's why I am spiritual, but not religious. But I believe that studying various religions and not, you know, some people think like, oh, if you're studying, um, people have even asked me like, oh, are you Buddhist? Like, no, I wouldn't identify as a Buddhist, but I appreciate a lot of the teachings of Buddhism. You know, they think that if you start studying a certain religion, that, that must mean be that you agree with it or that, you know, you identify with that, like you can learn about things without identifying with it or without agreeing with every single thing. Just like you can, listen to like some people will think like if you listen to a certain podcaster or a certain motivational speaker or a certain um you know uh, um famous or high profile individual that oh you must really like them you must agree with everything that they say no a lot of the people that i highly look up to and admire there are certain things they say that i don't agree with so you can learn about these various religions and not agree with everything but still take away the things that work for you and that can add value to your life the other um philosophy that i would highly recommend um, learning about is stoicism. And one of the things I like about stoicism is that one of the main concepts in there is that you focus on the things that are within your sphere of influence and control. You focus on your reasoned choice and all the things that are outside of your control, you know, you just let it be what it is. You know, you have no control over it. So whatever happens is going to happen. A lot of times, especially today with social media and the news and all this stuff, people get so worked up over things that are outside of their control and it causes them anger and dissatisfaction. It's like, you have no control over that. That doesn't mean you should be ill-informed, like you should still have a certain level of awareness about what's going on around you without identifying with it and without having so much of an emotional stake in it, you know, because that doesn't ultimately end up doing anything unless that emotional stake that you invest is going to result in you actually taking tangible actions to make a difference, then you're wasting your bandwidth on those things. And so the more you read about Stoic philosophy and listen to it, the more you'll be able to just internalize a lot of its teachings and it will help you to navigate life with more inner peace. And then there are also other communities like simple living and minimalism that I've um, been reading into lately that I think are highly valuable. I would definitely not consider myself to be a hardcore minimalist or a hardcore simple living advocate. It can be taken to an extreme that I think is actually detrimental and that actually can complicate your life. But again, read into it, learn about it, incorporate what works for you. You'll find that in today's day and age in America and Western society, it's all go, 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 accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And as you accumulate certain things, you end up complicating your life, your, your life through just all these things that you now have to maintain and worry about. And if, if you buy 
you know, multiple cars that just, and just certain things can just add more complications to your life. And so simple living and minimalism teaches you how to get rid of the things that no longer serve you. And so these are things that, you know, can help you to, by simplifying your life and by removing the clutter and removing the extra noise, it opens up space for you to now focus your attention on the things that actually fill you up spiritually and that actually bring you a greater level of meaning and fulfillment. Um, those are, those are some of the main ones. There's, there's a lot of other types of communities, but those are the ones that I've really in the last several years have been helpful for me and, and helping me to um, experience more inner peace and a more happy mindset. Um, and again, like happiness isn't just really an emotion. It's also, it's also an action. It's also a choice. Like you have the choice to, to build a happy life. And yes, there will be obstacles and things that might seem like they're preventing you from being happy. Um, but ultimately it's important for you to reclaim your, your power and to be as proactive as possible to create a life that makes you happy. Uh, Mike, did you have any other thoughts on this topic that you wanted to share today? Nope. Just like you said, though, um, happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. So just make sure that you make yourself a resilient individual that can handle anything that life throws at you. And over time, you will be a content person. I would like to end on a quote by Dennis Waitley, who is a motivational speaker. Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.